Holy One of Blessing, to know you is to love you. Help us to trust this now and always. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the first sentence we hear from our scripture readings this morning. So hear them. Hear them in your toes. Hear them in your weary legs, in your broken hearts, in your anxious minds. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. The common English Bible that lives by my bed translates this phrase with this subtle variation. So I want you to hear again, but this time a little differently. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. Do you hear this, folks? Unequivocally, unequivocally, we are not to go back. Not to bondage, not to slavery, not to oppression. No, no, no. We are free. Christ has set us free. I love the way the common English Bible names it. Christ has set us free for freedom. The reason we are free is for freedom. There's no rationale, no reason other than God's people have been set free purely for freedom's sake. Because freedom is enough. Freedom is the reason, it is the rationale, it is the gift that God longs for us to realize. It is the thing that Christ's life and death illumined for us. We are free for freedom. Amen. So take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Regardless of the news of the day, of all the ugliness swirling around us, of all the ugliness swirling within us, the truth is we've already got all that we will ever need because the hard part has been accomplished. Someone has set us free. Christ sets us free because Christ longs for our freedom. So really, I want you to take a breath. This time, breathe in freedom. Exhale oppression. Breathe in truth. Breathe out fear. You're already free. You're already free. Now, I don't say any of this to minimize the very real threats, the loss of rights, the downright dangerous realities that we all live with these days. These are all very real, very painful, sad realities. But these realities coincide with this greater reality, that God is on the move. God is making people free for freedom's sake, and God's march will not be stopped people will get their freedom. I'm not sure how many times we have to be reminded of this, but apparently a lot. 
The Bible is riddled with this exact plot line dozens of times, different people, different circumstances, but it's always the same outcome. God's people will be free. God is on the side of freedom. Now, in this letter to the Galatians, the case of freedom gets ratcheted up a notch in a really mundane and yet profound way. Paul is urging people to trust their newfound sense of freedom, to trust that this freedom is real, that freedom is good, and that freedom is actually from God. He wants them to trust that what they want to do what their hearts and minds prefer is actually not cheap, but right and good. And how do we know what the people here want to do? Because the issue he is talking about is adult male circumcision before the time of anesthesia. Yes, that's right. The issue is that there is this pre-existing pre religious law that says, Faithful followers of God who can, must get circumcised. And the people here want to be faithful. They want to be good with God, followers of Christ. So they assume that following the law, as hard as it might be, is, must be the right decision. But Paul surprises everyone by saying, no. To follow God isn't just to follow a law. It's not just to follow rules and procedures. It's to be someone inspired and plugged into the movement of the Spirit. Such a person, regardless of the circumstances of their life, is someone who is free and will ultimately know freedom. To be plugged into the Spirit is to trust that freedom. I encounter lessons that highlight this reality all the time. That regardless of people's circumstances, freedom wants to be known. This past week as I was pulling the standard mom move, using my bathroom break as an excuse to finish reading an article, I found myself once again sobbing on porcelain reading a story from the Washington Post. No doubt some of you read the same article. It was the article about Kelly, Kelly Dixon Teeler, an African-American woman working with genealogists from ancestry to track down the names and stories of her enslaved ancestors. In their research, they found her great-great-great-grandfather, a Mr. Hawkins Wilson, and remarkably, they discovered letters he wrote 155 years ago to the Freedmen's Bureau. And he was looking for help to be reunited with his family after the Civil War. Mm. I'm reading this article, and my heart breaks as I read that as a six-year-old boy, Mr. Wilson was sold away from his family to pay a debt. The tears turned to heaving sobs as I read snippets of his letter to his long-lost sister, Jane. He writes, I should never forget the bag of biscuits you made for me the last night I spent with you. Your advice to me to meet you in heaven has never passed my mind. 
In that moment, even as I was hiding from my four-year-old, I couldn't fathom being parted with him from him in two years' time to pay off someone else's debt. I raged inside. I sobbed. I thank God for the promise of heaven, for what it meant for him, for what it means for me, for the hope that the family imparted in that little boy. I prayed a prayer of thanksgiving that this hope seemingly never left him. I was grateful for his sister even as I wept for her. A whole lot of weeping and a little bathroom. This happened on Friday. And later that morning, as I was outside, the news of the day hanging too heavy around my neck, I looked up to the trees, and the first thought that came to mind, well, it wasn't the first thought, but a thought came to my mind. Well, at least in this country, we don't sell six-year-olds to pay off debts anymore. This thing not to be celebrated became a source of twisted comfort because as sad as it is, it's the truth. If we learn that six-year-olds are not currency, we can learn other fundamental truths. As hard as things are, all is not lost, because if that were the case, hope would have been lost long ago, and yet it never was. Who are we to lose hope if Mr. Hawkins Wilson never did? Things are hard. It's not clear that there is any sense of commitment to the common good or care for our common humanity. And yet there was a time in the not too distant past where the rule of law, in this case, a debt to be paid, silenced the spirit which screamed that little boys belong with the ones who love them. Humanity has always known hard times, always. Our times are no exception. But we meet hard head on with confidence and joy even because we know deep in our bones a truth that shakes the world and gives shapes to our horizons that regardless of our circumstances, we have been set free for freedom. Christ has set us free and asked that our freedom not be self-indulgent or selfish, that it be a freedom that sets others free, a freedom that ultimately results in love joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us pray that this freedom may one day be known, not just in our hopes and dreams, but in our shared realities. Amen.